Welcome to Well With Blue, the podcast that's less of a show and more of a heart to heart with me, your friend and health coach, Azul. Each week, I'll share my best self-care tips with you, and together, we'll redefine what a healthy life looks like and improve the most important relationship in our lives, the one we have with ourselves, so that we can get out of our own way and live the life we want and deserve. This is the real and unfiltered side of wellness and personal growth, so cozy up, my friend, and let's chat. Friends, I am so excited for today's episode. As you know, most of my episodes as of now have been solo episodes, and I decided to get out of my comfort zone. I had people on a list that I wanted to interview for this podcast that I thought would be fun, would contribute a lot to the conversation, that you would learn a lot from, and today's guest is my first guest, and I am so excited Um, Today's guest is Simone Stocks. She is a body neutral health and movement coach who specializes in body image struggles, disordered eating, and trauma-informed movement practices. She is also a professional clinical counselor trainee, and she's set to complete her traineeship in January, congrats Simone, and start her own therapy practice as an associate professional clinical counselor in California. Her goal as a therapist and coach is to integrate her love and passion for movement coaching with her newfound passion for mental health care, which we love here. In today's episode, we talk about how to practice self-care when you have depression, our experiences as trainers in a toxic fitness industry. If you're a trainer, we talk about how to spot if your clients have disordered eating or fitness habits and other things that we feel like trainers should be equipped with in this space that we don't think they are. We talk about book recommendations. We talk about the anti-diet culture movement, body neutral coaching, all of the things. I think today's episode is such a great one. So I'm so, so excited to have her. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Simone. Welcome to Well with Blue. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I um I just I mentioned to you before you are the first person that I'm interviewing which is like so exciting and also so nerve-wracking at the same time I feel like I'm sweating um also it's my first <laughs> podcast to be on as well I know wait so I didn't know I that. know so it feels like very very special oh my both. gosh we're each other's first <laughs> I know. I know. that makes I'm me less nervous <laughs> I love that. Okay. That makes me less nervous for some reason. Oh, yeah. um, oh, I'm so, wow. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Okay. Well, welcome, truly welcome to oh, the yes, podcast you. space as well. I, this is I hope I do it justice. You will. <laughs> so um, before, you know, before we start talking, I'm going to have my little blurb where I introduce you, but I would love to, you know, in your own words, kind of describe what you do in this space? What takes up your day? <laughs> oh, that's always such a hard question because I do so many different things, but they all relate. So I'll tell you the the components that I do. Okay. So I have my personal training clients. I see them all virtually. Um, the, the kinds of people that I see are generally people who have chronic diseases, they struggle with their mental, with mental illness and going to the gym is not really accessible for them. Um, they're not really comfortable in their body yet in space. And so they're just kind of learning how to move their body in space without other people around to see them and judge them. Um, or it's just really convenient for them. They work really hard. They work a ton and they have equipment in their garage and we just bust it out. So that's one portion of my day. I love that. I started as a trainer about ooh, now probably eight years ago, I think. Oh, so wow. that's like, I would say the foundation of my work and I will always be a movement coach in nature. I don't think I'll ever give that up. Um, (laughs) And then another part I have, I'm a health coach. So I have health coaching clients, meaning they come to me. Also, we meet virtually and they talk about things that are concerning them with their health. Either they have chronic illness and they're seeing their doctor, but they're not really sure how to integrate healthy habits into their life. They're not really sure what kind of lifestyle changes to make in regard to their health. So we work on those kinds of things, like how much, like, are they eating enough food? Are they getting enough sleep? What kind of barriers do they have? And like, what does it look like with their family? And, you know, so on and so forth. So lots of like lifestyle stuff. I also really love that work. I really just love all of my work. It's very exciting. (laughs) Um, I have some life coaching clients where we don't talk so much health, but we talk more like business, career, um, maybe like they feel stuck in their life. And it was actually life coaching that directed me toward 
therapy. So also therapy is the other. Oh my gosh. (laughs) One day when I'm licensed, I have 10 weeks left of school. Um, so after that, my goal is to integrate all of this into just like one big, like I'm a therapist and I integrate my therapy practice with movement coaching and with health coaching. And, you know, I don't truly know what that looks like yet. Um, so then the other part of my day is spent one-on-one therapy clients and that's just like regular talk therapy. So yeah, that's my day. That's a lot. That's a big scope. (laughs) It's a big scope, but it's also all one in the same. Like when someone asks me what I do, I also find it very difficult because it's like, how do you describe, I mean, health coaching one, because it's so many different facets, but I love that. I love that this all brought you to therapy, which I'll definitely ask you about because I think that's so fascinating. Um, And let's just actually even start there. How did your journey, because a lot of us that do this, right? It's because we needed it at some point in time, right? So how did your journey kind of lead you to, you know, where you are now and specifically because we're in the same kind of like anti-diet culture um, space? How did, what was your journey? What did that look like? What brought you here to doing what you're doing today? Yeah, and I feel like before I even go into that, the health coaching part can also be challenging because people hear like health coaching and they're like, weight loss. Mm-hmm. And they're like, write me a meal plan or like, help me lose weight. <laughs> and they're like, I don't, I don't do that. When, and they're like, what do you mean you don't do that? Like you work in fitness and health. <laughs> that's, that's what fitness and health is. And I'm like, but it's not. So that is, or that's not all what it is. Right. So it was for me, when I look at my journey, it was I started as a trainer and I was like, I love fitness. I love movement. I was a dancer. I love, I was a choreographer. I liked working with human bodies and I was an athlete. And so I was like, okay, personal training is a great way to do that. And I loved it. And then I started having deeper conversations with people about their health and about their lifestyle and about their families. And I was like, okay, there's more to this. So then, so I worked, I started at Equinox. I progressed, you know, through Equinox into becoming a TRX coach, which is much more focused on like the health coaching side. You learned a lot about motivational interviewing and how to look at people from a more holistic perspective. Um, And so I got a lot of training, which was really lovely for me. Um, so then I was like more equipped to have these harder conversations with clients and deeper conversations, but it was still pretty weight loss focused. I mean, you know, it's the fitness industry and a lot of people who come to the gym want to lose weight and that's okay. That's their goal. Um, but for me, I was also struggling with, uh, an undiagnosed at that time eating disorder that, you know, it's just, as I think about it, I'm like, I was so praised, right. For being so skinny. Yeah. And like looking so fit and like, I I thought it was such a good thing. Like all this willpower that I have and all the workouts that I'm doing and like, man, and then COVID happened. So then I was like, I removed myself from the environment naturally. And then I was like, oh, this is a problem. I couldn't, I couldn't go a full day without exercising. I couldn't go a full day without my meals being prepped. And it was so obsessive that I was like, oh, this isn't healthy. This is actually a problem. And it really, like when I removed myself from the environment, I realized that the environment is what made all of those behaviors like quote unquote healthy. Mm -hmm. That's like what we're taught, like meal prepping and controlling your calories and your macros and working out all the time. Like we're taught that's the thing to do. Yeah. But then when you come out of that environment, you're like, wait a minute, that's not that's not actually how you can live life like sustainably. Um, so then I was, you know, here at home during COVID and I realized that I really wanted to do more with the coaching side um, and less of the personal training side because I was really enjoying it a lot more. So I reflected on my time as a trainer and I reflected on the memories I had of my clients. Like what were my favorite times? What were my, the things that were like life-changing for me as a trainer And I'm remembering the story of, or this memory of a client who was bench pressing and he finished his bench press, you know, and he wasn't really a talker much. We just kind of like, you know, um, I don't know if I can curse on here. You can, you can. Yeah. I was going to say, no, we shoot the shit. And then I was like, I don't know if I can do that. We we just shoot the shit, whatever. So he was bench pressing, he put it down and then he looks at me and he goes, I think I'm going to divorce my wife. Oh, and wow. my first thought was like, I'm not equipped to have this conversation. 
I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help him. I don't know what to do, but there was something about movement that made that come up for him. It's not because he like trusted me with his secrets. Like I know for sure that's not what it was. It just was coming up for him because he was working through it. I had another client who came in and told me like, I'm having thoughts of suicide and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to harm myself. And I'm really afraid. I'm afraid to leave the gym and leave this appointment with you because I don't know what I'm going to do. And so obviously I like got my manager and all the things, but it, it was those kinds of conversations or people who come in who are really struggling with their work. And so my instinct is like, okay, well, let's take it down. Let's breathe. Let's do something more um, regenerative in nature, but they're like, but I'm here to lift weights. And I'm, you know, so it was those memories that were coming to me. That was like, oh, that's therapy. That's, that's the thing that I enjoyed most about working with people is helping them work through those like deep things that really come up when you start moving. And when you're with a practitioner that you, that you enjoy being with and you trust. Um, so then I decided to go back to school and become a therapist. And during the last three years of school, I've really been trying to figure out like, okay, how do I integrate this? How do I integrate movement coaching and health coaching and therapy into like one big thing? And there are, there are parts of therapy that are like, they have movement, dance therapy certifications and specialties. They have um, like health psychology specialties. So those are options. Um, I don't really know (laughs) what that's all going to look like, but that's my journey. That's been my journey. Um, I will say working through my eating disorder for myself has been the most life-changing experience for me. And that's definitely a specialty that I want to go into. I want to be an eating disorder therapist and work with disordered eating and body image and Um, because I think that it's more prevalent than we think it is. And it's more prevalent than we give it credit. I think a lot of times what I see is that body image for people is consuming. And we think of it as like, oh, you know, it's just body image. Like, well, you know, but it's not like you think about it all the time. You think about what you're eating. You can't go to, you know, lunch with your friends and not worry about it. You can't go home and have a full stomach and then not be concerned. You can't be bloated and not be like, it's so consuming for so many people, especially women that I'm like, okay, this work needs to be done. So that was a lot. That was a lot, but it was so well said. (laughs) (laughs) I understood everything. I could like follow that timeline. And I I have so many questions coming out of it because I know one one of the things that you and I have in common is we both work to Equinox. And I don't remember how I started following you. I think someone you, a coworker of yours at Equinox started following me and then told me about you or something. I don't remember where it came from, but I remember following you and being like, I like her. Like she is one of the only other Equinox trainers or just trainers in general in the space that was talking about the same things I wanted to talk about because I, I came into Equinox already having done the work and Mm. I found, I found one, it was weird being like one of the oldest people at, that's like literally never happened to me before. And I wanted to this environment. I was like, oh, everyone's younger than me. What's happening? Um, but I found it actually really triggering when I, so I had a not so great habit of like not wanting to be around all the time. Like I would try and do my work and leave, which when you work at Equinox is very difficult to do. Um, but I found like the locker room talk, like very toxic. Um, and for all the reasons, right. Like talking about, like trainers talking about themselves and their bodies and what they were eating and what they were doing to work out for X reason. And, you know, all that stuff that I just couldn't, didn't really want to be around it that much. Yeah. So there are a couple trainers that were older that also had the same mindset as me, just wasn't really talking about it on Instagram. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think it was at the time I wasn't really following anyone that was talking about it. Like how could you be in fitness and not focus on weight loss? That's yeah kind of all we had at, you were at Equinox, you were told to people put people on this scale that told you your body fat percentage and this, and you were supposed to show them this piece of paper and write on it. Like, this is where your BMI is at. This is where your, you know, body fat's at. And like, use that to get people to train. And it was horrifying. <laughs> so I'm going to even add on to that in the, and this is not a bash on Equinox at all. It's just like the nature of the fitness industry. It's not their fault. But in the T-Rex assessment, there was a skin calipers test. Mm. 
we pulled like obviously you like pull people's body fat and you ask them permission before you can do it but that experience can be so triggering I can't imagine um for everybody involved um and then there was this like 3d thing where you stand on it and then you spin around and it takes a 3d image uh, of, yes and then it tells you like your body fat and your in you know measurements and all that that plus the in body um and then there were other assessments also that were more health related in nature but like very I'm going to use the word invasive um, for people who struggle with eating disorders or their relationship with their body or body image issues. And there's not one single question that we're taught to ask, like, do you have a negative relationship with your body or do you have a negative relationship with food or is any of this triggering for you? Or if you have, if, do you want to opt out of learning these measurements? Are they going to harm you in the future? Are they needed to help you actually on your journey? And none of that it was kind of like, this is the assessment. This is what you do. Um, but now that I know more about the harm that it can cause for people who are predisposed to that type of thinking, oh my gosh, I like look back and I'm like, how, and I would see, I would see it with my own eyes. And I thought it was a good thing. Like I would do the assessments and I would watch my clients when I was presenting the information to them, absolutely break down. And also again, not taught how to manage, how to manage yeah. Um, but like watch them just come to pieces because we're using words like obese. We're talking to them about, you know, the higher body for body fat percentages is going to put them at a risk of, you know, early mortality and heart disease and high blood pressure and whatever. Um, and just like watching them feel judged, I think, and just wrecked. And I thought, and I was taught that like, wow, okay, this is where change happens. Like they're so motivated now to change. But then I'm, I've learned over time that like, that's just shaming them. And it's not, some people don't receive it that way and that's okay. That's fine. And that works for them. But there's some people who do. And I just feel so bad. I feel so bad that I put so many of my clients through that when it wasn't necessary for them. Um, and it may have been harmful in the, you know, in the long term. Yeah. That gives me chills. Like I literally almost want to cry because I'm thinking yeah. about, Oh God. Um, I, I am same as you. Like I'm thinking about like going through the motions, especially in the beginning when I was nervous, like in the beginning when you're nervous and you don't have a lot of clients and you're like, Oh, these are the things I think as I got more established and as I was more like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I felt more comfortable. Um, and I think also because I, I, me as a trainer, I would say there was only like maybe three of us there that knew what eating disorders or disordered eating looked like. Um, three out of, you know, however many, 25, 30. Um, and so I, I remember very specifically like this one girl that kind of changed it all for me, you know, like we were having a conversation and that's when I was like, I'm not going to put her on this. Like, yeah. I was like, you know, usually we do this whole thing. I don't want to do that with you. Like, and that, our relationship, I mean, we still train to this day because like that just changed wow. her relationship with movement. And after that, I was like, yeah, I don't want to, this is not how I want to introduce people to working out, to moving their bodies. Right. And I think that, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to do in an industry where the only way you think you can sell movement, the only way we've been taught is through weight loss and through fear tactics. And it yeah. just, completely destroys people's relationship with not only movement, but their body when movement can be this thing that's so therapeutic and it's so good for you mentally and physically. And I know we had talked before about, I know one of the things that you want to do uh, when you become a therapist is kind of maybe start creating this like program to teach trainer. I think it's so important. Yeah. I think it's so important. Um, and so I don't know if you want to dive into that or if that's something you kind of want to keep to yourself, sure, but yeah. you know, I, I know you, you maybe have a resource that I'm definitely going to link, but just some things to, I don't know how many listeners or how many uh, trainers listen to this podcast. Hopefully they do. But if you maybe had just a message for trainers in the space or even clients, like this could be good for both, yeah. but kind of what to look out for, what might be some of the warning signs and maybe I don't know if like we know quite yet to, what to do with it, but you know, whatever advice you have. Yeah. Really important warning signs that come up for me as you were talking. I was then like, 
all of these memories started coming back, right. Of like clients who I've worked with, who wanted to step on the in-body and they would come in for their assessment. And like one time I had a, a pregnant woman and she was quite small and she came in for weight loss. And I was like, well, I don't understand <laughs> what you're pregnant. Like what weight gain is what we want. We want you to get, and she was like, I know. I don't want to gain weight during my pregnancy. And that's why I'm here. And I was just shattered because I was thinking in my head, like, who taught you that, that gaining weight during your pregnancy is bad? Who taught you that that's a bad thing? And it made me so sad. And I would say things like that are warning signs where if people who don't need to lose weight and gaining weight is the best thing for them if they fight that, or if they have, if they become defensive about that, if they present concerns, when you're the professional in that scenario, right, you have the, the, uh, the responsibility to give them your professional advice. And if they resist that, that's, you know, it's a red flag. It's something to pay attention to like, okay, this person might have a disordered relationship with their body. If I'm telling them, putting them on a weight loss regimen is not going to benefit them long-term. And they're like, well, I'm hiring you. So <laughs> do it. Like, that's why I pay you. Um, another one that comes to mind is like, and, uh, and most of this is my work with women. I haven't had as many men who have this um, concerns or people in female bodies. Um, you know, when their body fat percentages are already quite low, I would say lower than 15%. Um, Cause we were measuring at the time. So I knew their body fat percentages and their goal was like to get how low can I get before I lose my period around so like 10, mm. 12%. And they're like, great. That's where I want to be. Cause I want to still be healthy, right? I still want to have my period, but I want to be a lower body fat. And you're like, okay, great. Like, let's do it. And I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, so like, <laughs> yeah. that, like, that's a red flag. Um, unless there are reasons like if you're a supermodel or if there's something going on that like requires you to be in a bodybuilder, I cannot, I'm not going to judge that like, cool, but also I might not be the trainer for that and being able to know my values and know that as a body neutral coach, I don't want any part of that. So maybe go work with a person who is more on board or can manage that safely. Um, so I would say those things are really big red flags. Um, when you have clients who you see in the gym, five days a week, six days a week. And they're just doing like your workouts that you give them the days that you're not working with them, or they're doing like super intense cardio all the time. And you're like, Hey, you need to take a rest time. And they're not doing it. And they're like, Oh, well, just like, I sit at a desk all day. And then I come in and want to get my work in and whatever. Like also again, like little red flags, things of like, okay, is this becoming obsessive? If you remove fitness from your life and you go crazy, that means something. Cause I was that person slash am that person and work on that tremendously all the time. If I remove fitness from my life and I can't manage my mental health, I can't manage my physical health. I can't manage my relationships because movement is the thing. That's a problem. Like what happens if you get injured? What happens if you become chronically ill? What happens if you have mental health concerns and you become depressed and you can't leave your bed? Like you need to have other coping mechanisms and other ways to manage your health outside of just fitness. So I would say that's another big red flag. Um, and then obviously from the mental health side, looking for people who don't have close social relationships, don't talk, you know, when they talk to you, don't talk about their, their like partners or their friendships, or they just spend all of their time at home alone and they just come see you. And you're really the only person that they interact with. There's introversion. And then there's that right? Where it's like, those are also concerning people who aren't really getting out, don't have a healthy social life. Generally, that is a sign that there's a potential mental health concern or something else going on. Um, so those are some of the big ones that come to mind. Dang. And so what, you know, if a trainer is listening to this and they're like, I have someone like that, or, you know, like that happens, what would you suggest they do? Yeah. So I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, because there's a way to bring up, Hey, I think you should see a therapist, mm -hmm, Yeah, <laughs> um, but not everyone likes to hear that conversation. Right? That's a yeah. really hard conversation to have. So one, I think the trust has to be there between the client. Um, but definitely recommending to the client, like, Hey, I've observed these things or like, Hey, let me take you into a room where we can talk about this, not on the fitness floor. Um, or like even virtually, Hey, before we start your workout, I just want to sit down and I just want to talk to you really quick. 
um, and just have that conversation. Hey, here are some of the things I've observed from my education. These are just some red flags or concerns that I have for your health. And if we want to work together holistically, holistically, like it's my job to make sure that you are healthy, you're a healthy human being. And I feel a bit concerned for your mental health. Would you consider going to see a mental health practitioner or would you consider going to see a doctor? Or, you know, I feel like maybe you're, you're showing some signs of depression or you're having anxiety attacks during your workout. I, I think it's important that you see somebody about that. Um, and just to have those conversations and openly talk about mental health and seeing mental health therapists, because it also destigmatizes it. I think we think that, or a lot of people think that in order to go see a mental health therapist, you have to be like off the deep end where it's like, yeah, that is one, but there are also lots of times in between where you should go see someone, you should go talk to someone and it's totally fine. Also as a therapist or like future therapist and who had knows lots of therapists, like they're also nice <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> kind and compassionate and like not going to judge you. It's all good. So I think just being able to have the conversation and recommend talking to someone um, would be helpful. Yeah, I think that's great. And if you are a trainer and you're like, I feel uncomfortable with this, I, I don't know how to bring that up reach out to a therapist, you know, whether, I don't know, that's on Instagram or Simone or, you know, <laughs> someone to be like, Hey, this is happening. How can I word this? So that like, you know, if you want that extra, like one-on-one -on -one touch point, if you're like, I still don't know what to say, um, reach out to someone that you think would and, yeah. and, and ask them how to facilitate that conversation or how to recommend them to a therapist in a way that doesn't feel, I don't know, awkward. I think not every trainer wants to be a therapist. Not every trainer wants to talk during their sessions. I noticed um, when I worked at Equinox, some trainers just want to train and work out. And those are, you know, just boundaries you have to set up ahead of time and just, you know, always at least maybe have a therapist that, you know, in your back pocket. So yeah. that if that does come up, you're like, Hey, I'm not the person to talk to about that, but here's so-and-so. Um, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking that would be a great thing to add into the assessment. Like, mm -hmm. do you have a therapist or have you seen one before? Or like, yeah. are you seeing them now? What are your feelings about therapy? Are you open to having this discussion with your trainer? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I already have someone be like, Hey, you should call your therapist. I'm, you know, give them a call. You know what I mean? So like, as you're saying this, I'm like, man, that would be a really good addition actually. To that would be so ideal. I don't know <laughs> if that's going to happen. <laughs> if someone yeah, works I at think. Equinox and like wants to implement this. Um, but yes, to your point uh, that you said before, we're not bashing Equinox. I would do it all over again. I thought it was um, a great experience, yeah. you know. Um, I would too. Yeah. So uh, you said like so many things that I have questions about. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned, you mentioned you work specifically with people that have depression and kind of these chronic illnesses. I know this is something that you struggle with. You have this series on your Instagram, which is divine. I, I literally love it so much. And it's called Do It Depressed. I don't know how many like little clips you have now. Um, I think I, I think have like you, 22 or yeah. 22. Okay. So you've been doing it for a while and I feel like it works really well for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of want you, because I, I do have clients that struggle with depression or struggle also with chronic illnesses that just leave them really tired. Mm -hmm. And it's so unfair when you go online and you have people that just can't empathize with that. You know, they're just like, you just got to stay motivated or you just got to do whatever. And it's just not the same. And I think that's such an important, it's so important to talk about that because you are not lazy. You just feel differently than other people do. And other people don't take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not discipline. It's not laziness. It's just, it's different. So, um, I actually want, I, I would love if you were to talk about that a little bit about your series, you know, how, how, you know, this is something you struggle with, how you've seemed to kind of, I'm sure it's a work in progress, but figure it out a little bit, how to work through it. Yeah. So it all started with my own mental health journey. As I started to heal my eating disorder, lots of other stuff came up that my eating disorder was masking because I was using that to cope, right? So then I took away that coping mechanism of starving myself. And my brain was like, whoa, <laughs> hold on. there's a well, lot of other shit I here. I don't have, come on. <laughs> so then it brought all of this other stuff up. So I went to a super deep depression 
um, for about a year and a half or so. And it really opened my eyes to how much of a struggle it can be to live. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, oh, I wasn't able to work out. It was like, I couldn't brush my hair. I would see a client. I would do my best to put on like my, I'm the best coach and I'm here for you. And it's, it, that comes pretty easy to me, but then I would shut my computer and then just fall to the floor and then have to like pull myself up again. Um, brushing my teeth became a nightmare. Um, showering became a nightmare. I hated going to the bathroom. Just the idea of having to stand up and go to the bathroom was like, I would rather just wear a diaper. You know what I mean? I didn't, mm-hmm. but I wanted to. <laughs> so it was stuff like that where I was like, oh, I want to talk about this because I feel like this is relevant. And so I started my do it depressed series. It was really for me, <laughs> it started as a way for me to just kind of do it for myself. Um, and then, you know, like all social media, I'm like, well, maybe this will help somebody else. And that series is what helped grow my following and which is kind of sad because it's like, oh, all of, there are so many depressed people so many yeah. <laughs> who are struggling. They're here, but it's also great because yeah. it's also like, there are so many depressed people that we're all just faking it. We're all just masking and hiding and trying to survive in the world and showing up with our friends and being like, we're great. Oh my God, how are you? And then we go home and you're like, oh my God, I can't even live, you know? So to have a following of people that are, that are identifying so closely with it was so, so incredibly meaningful to me. Um, and so the things that I pick for my do it to press series, I pick one thing that's just like, here, we're going to try to do this thing today. Um, I tried to start with the smallest thing possible, like change your clothes put on clothes that are not your pajamas and just see how they make you feel or brush your hair or we're going to stretch in bed um, or we're just going to like step outside of the house and try to get a little fresh air and then step back in. Um, And I think that perspective of the small tasks that we all talk about as coaches, right? It's a small tasks made me realize that we're not even breaking it down small enough. Mm -hmm. Like, Going for a walk three times a week used to be my like, you know, oh, I broke it down into a small step. Now I'm like, wow, three times a week for a walk. Woo. <laughs> like that's, that's something. Um, so my perspective has completely changed on what I consider a small step. Um, so, yeah. I love that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so many people come, come to mind where it was hard for me, like in the beginning, I think before I really got into health coaching, it was harder for me to understand, I guess. Um, And, you know, as you're in this for longer and you coach more people and you learn more stuff, right? That is life. You start to realize like, oh, okay. Like, like you said, like some things need to be breaking down smaller. And again, not because someone is lazy because I I see them at their job and they're Yep. Doing really well, right? Or they're doing well in certain and then it comes to this and you're like, oh, living is is difficult. Yeah. Like for me, it's it like I just shower every night. It's just something I do before bed, you know. But I've worked with someone that struggles with showering every night. Yeah. And I I think one of the lovely parts about what we do is we're constantly learning. You kind of have to be constantly learning. And it like I had to learn about how hard it is to shower. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I love that you talk about like, break it down even smaller and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. No. Like we're all on different levels and different, you know, like there's certain things that we cannot control. We just don't have control of. And that is, you know, like depression, chronic illness, stuff like that is one of those things in a way. Um, and so you just got to figure out the cool thing about fitness and nutrition and health and wellness is that it is individualized and tailored. I think there just has to be like a patience that comes with it. And, and that's where we get into like self-love and self-compassion is like, you have to practice with those things forward because truly that's, that's how you'll figure out what works for you. It gets so much harder once you start with the judgment and the shame and the negative self-talk and all that kind of stuff. It's so clear in the research as well. Self-compassion is the thing that. Mm -hmm will help you feel better above all other things. Shame is a terrible motivator for change, not Mm -hmm. sustainable long-term. And for the most part will only lead to negative health outcomes. Yeah. 
<laughs> but like, it's so hard to be nice to yourself. It's, it's so, so hard. hard when you can't wash your hair and you've been using dry shampoo for a week and now your hair is smelly and you can't brush it and it's gross and it feels gross and it hurts to be on your head. And you're like, I can't even wash my hair. You, oh, for me, I just, I'm like, what kind of coach am I? What kind of therapist am I? You know? So being able to be like, no, we're shutting that down. You're a human with human needs and it's okay. It's okay. It's neutral. Also like, all right. So you didn't wash your hair for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks. Okay. When you can let's wash your hair. Um, one thing I did was I scheduled a haircut and I went to my hairdresser and she normally doesn't wash my hair. And so I went to my hairdresser and I didn't even say anything. And I just sat down and she was like, do you want me to wash your hair? And I was like, well, I'm kind of in a rush. And she just like put her hands on my shoulder. And she was like, I have the time. And I was like, okay. And just like <laughs> breaks down. <laughs> yeah. Just to like have somebody else wash my hair, completely reset my, how I felt about myself. And she did it for free. She didn't charge me for it. I think she Aww. could tell that I was really struggling. Um, but it's stuff like that, where it's like that self-compassion to just be like, it's okay to ask my hairdresser to wash my hair for me. It's fine. Yeah. And also sitting there, you know, I think about not, not the washing hair for me, but like just when I was going through like my binge eating, it's like when I made the realization that sitting there and just berating myself wasn't helpful, (laughs) like it just wasn't, I would, it would like, like you said, like it might sometimes I feel like people think it works short term because they're like, I'm so disgusted with myself that I'm going to, and they use it as this motivation. But like you said, it never works long-term. And when I, when that's, when I made that switch to like, oh, if I like sat here and held myself literally with my arms, hugged myself and went like, it's okay. You're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. We're going to get through this. I'm going to solve this with you, you know, X, Y, and Z. That's when it started to get, but when I made that shift is when it all started to click for me and slowly get better. It was not an overnight, it was not an overnight thing. <laughs> took many, many years, but the more I was able to do that and practice that, the the nicer I became to myself and the easier it became to do certain things because I was on my own team. Like I wasn't fighting myself, you know, like it would be like, you know, you're fighting depression and yourself versus just fighting depression. I don't even know if you want to call it fighting depression, managing depression. I'm not I don't know at this point, honestly. I'm like, my depression and I are just in a car (laughs) driving together. It's my passenger. We're just here. It's there. Yeah. It's It's kind of like you can't, (laughs) yeah, you can't get rid of anxiety or stress. You just learn to cope with it. You know, like you learn to manage it. I like what you said about, I say that all the time. Like there is no like positive, negative. It's just all neutral. Um, I heard someone say once that emotions are like a compass, like there are not bad emotions or good emotions. They're just all guiding you. So if you mm-hmm. feel a certain way about something, lean into what that means, right? Um, like stress or anger, or jealousy or whatever that is. I thought it was really interesting. And it's okay to feel bad. You know, like when you feel negative emotion, it's not like you have to be like, oh, I'm thinking about suicide. Ha ha, that's so neutral. Like yeah. that's okay to feel bad, but it's not okay to feel bad about feeling bad. Yes. <laughs> it's not okay to shame and judge yourself for feeling bad. But yes. I want to come back to something really important that you said. You said, I, you know, I just held myself, like physically held myself. Mm-hmm. Told myself it was okay. And I was thinking, I was reflecting on, you know, the amount of people, myself included, who, when I ask them to like, put your hands on your belly, they like cringe. Yeah. I hate touching myself. I'm the same way. When I was in eating disorder recovery, I listened to a meditation that was like, put your hands on a body part that you judge and that you hate. And so I put my hands on my belly or my thighs or whatever. And then it was like, tell that body part that you love it. And I was like, no, absolutely not. (laughs) I will not do that. No. (laughs) And you know, I was like, that took some work. And so yeah. as you're saying that, that kind of leads me into this new challenge I'm doing for myself about like walking around my house naked. Yes. Um, just yes. Like Talk the, about I, that. I yeah, saw that. That like we exist in our bodies and hate them so much that we can't even touch them. We can't even acknowledge that they're there. Like can't even, I know so many clients who can't even put their hands on their belly and just be like, 
thank you for digesting all of my food belly. They like touch their belly and they're like, ah, it's gross. Yeah. It just makes me so sad because I struggle with that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Or hide from it. Also like I am, I call myself the bag lady, but not because I have lots of purses, but because I wear (laughs) clothes that are like trash bags. Like I just want it to be a piece of fabric that doesn't touch any part of me, but Mm -hmm. just cover all of me, you know? Um, some of them are really cute. I'm not going to lie. Very cute and fashionable, but my intention for wearing them is not innocent, right? My intention is let me wear something so shapeless that doesn't touch me that I can't even see my own shape and size. Yeah. Um, and so there was a point recently where I was like, who am I doing this for? I don't leave my house. (laughs) Like I am working virtually. I it's literally just me here. And I'm like, oh, I have to put on this, put on my bag or oh, I have to put on my, my big shirt. Cause I don't like my body today. And it's like, for who the only person judging my body is me. Yeah. And I don't judge other women or other people with bodies like my own or any other body. So why do I get to do that to myself? Why do I think I ask my clients this to, why do you, why do you get to be the exception? Why are you so mm-hmm. special? Um, and so I was like, you know what? I just want to see what it feels like. So I took off my shirt and I was wearing just like little, you know, uh, pajama bottoms and I moved them down. So they were not high-waisted. So my whole belly was out and I had just like a little tiny bra on and I just stood there and I was like, Ooh, this is really uncomfortable. There are parts of me that are feeling air yeah, that have like not felt air, air in a while. <laughs> also, I was like looking around my windows. I was like, who can see me? Who's looking at me through my windows? <laughs> what? Right. I was like paranoid. And so I was like, Oh, just the idea of being perceived in my own skin was mortifying. And I was like, oh, I think this is a problem. So I have been walking around my house as naked as I love that for you. And it's really challenging because I'll walk by a mirror and then be like, and then go, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Um, so there's a lot of self-correction happening, or I'll feel myself, like take my little pajama shorts and pull them up over my belly. And then I pull them back down and I go, no, we're not doing that. We're not hiding. And so I'm just like rewriting this habit of covering myself up. And it's honestly helping, I will say. And I have really, proof. Okay. Yes, I have proof. because I was, I got a dress for a wedding that I'm going to be in and it was too tight around my ribs. And I've gained since I've been in school, I've gained about 20 pounds. Um, so I put on this dress, you know, my size has changed. Um, I used to be a size four, I'm probably around a size like eight, 10 now. Mm -hmm. And so I put this dress on and it was too tight around my ribs. And my first thought was like, I have to lose weight. If this is evidence, this dress that I bought, that is a large that I've never had to wear a large before was too tight and I have to lose weight. Clearly here's the evidence. And then I was talking, it kind of like sent me to an old spiral, old habit. And I was talking to my dad about it. And he was like, so how much weight would you have to lose to fit into that dress? And I said, dad, I don't want to lose weight. I don't want to lose weight. I'm fine. I'm literally fine with my body right now. I have no complaints. I wear clothes. I have a sex life. I interact with my friends and family. Like it literally is not hindering me in any way. I feel great. I don't want to lose weight. And then I sat there and I was like, oh my God, I don't want to lose weight. (laughs) For the first time in my life, I feel actually neutral toward my body. Like with every part of my being, I'm like, my body is existing and I can like move it and I feel good and I don't have pain and like, that's all good. And my digestive system is doing its thing. And like, it's here. My skin's good. And that was life-changing for me to be in a space where I was able to say out loud in all honesty that I didn't have any intention of wanting to lose weight for this wedding. So I bought a bigger dress today. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to do this I'm challenge. I'm back and I'm buying a bigger one. Yes. Snaps for you. I don't want to clap yeah, into you. the mic or else <laughs> hurt someone's ears, but I love that. And I feel like this is a challenge we should all do. We should like, we should collab a freaking chat, like a week challenge or like a month challenge or something. I think that would be awesome. Stay I tuned. Would <laughs> I would love that. Yes. Um, I think that's amazing. A couple of things that you touched on. Um, one, I think this idea of hiding, hiding from our bodies is a big thing. I've Mm -hmm. done it. I probably do it every so often now too. And I forgot where I heard it, but someone was saying that, like, how would it feel like when you're, when someone's trying to hide you or trying to ignore you, let's say you're in a relationship and your partner was like, 
hiding you and ignoring you, how would you feel? And it's like, it's no different. You're hiding from yourself. Your body image is never going to improve if you're always hiding from yourself, right? And I know that's, it's so hard, but it's so true. Like if you imagine you and your body having a relationship, if you're constantly hiding from it or you're constantly hiding it from you, that just that kind of feeds into the narrative of like, I'm ashamed of you. I don't like you. I don't whatever. Right. Like I agree. I I like my target boys shirts for like working out. Like I feel more comfortable and like more flowing, but then there are days where I feel like I go to a class and I'm sweating my ass off. So I, I take my shirt off and my sports were on my shorts. And that's how I feel at that point in time Mm -hmm. too. So I think the intention does matter. Like, are you hiding or is this a fashion style or whatever that might be, right? Um, another thing that you talked about. Oh, yeah, no, 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 please. Um, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that that's the same with weight loss. So I also don't want to bash on like people who do want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. That is your choice. It's your body. You are allowed mm-hmm. to choose if you want to stay the same or lose or not lose or gain whatever. That's all good. But intention matters. Yeah. So, and the research is, I mean, you know, it's not really there of like, positively at least of like can you lose weight and also improve your body image yeah Eh, it's hard but being able to have that positive intention of like I am going to go into my weight loss journey but I'm not going to shame myself but I'm not Mm going to berate myself but I'm not going to hate on my body for being the size that it's at um so I also just want to say that like if you want to lose weight in your own journey that is your that is your your body yeah your body your choice intention for everything and how you treat your and how you treat your body during all of its phases matters. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you mentioned that because when I got introduced to the intuitive eating space, I was very much anti-weight loss, anti, if you want to lose your body, like, and I look back now and I'm like, Ooh, that was not the move as well, but you know, I'll admit it. I was learning. I like went hard, right. And now I feel like I've come back to the middle where I'm like, you're allowed to want to lose weight, especially in the society that we live in, right? It's up to, you're also allowed to want to gain muscle. You're allowed to not want to gain muscle. You're allowed to whatever. Your body, your choice. And I think that's where I stand now and I'm very happy with it. I like, you know, you always kind of cringe at past self sometimes. You're like, oh, all the time. Um, Creator once say like, if you're not cringing at your past self, you're not growing. And I'm like, I like that. I'm here for that. That's (laughs) true. I like that. I'm here for that too. (laughs) I love that. Um, But yeah, I think it's always like, I'm always as, I'm always going to ask you what your why is, right? Like I'm always going to go down that journey with you, regardless of what your goal is, just because I want to make sure it's what your actual goal is. If you come to me and you're like, I want weight loss because X, I'm like, oh, well, you know, you can have X without losing weight, right? Like I will support your journey no matter what, but I also want you to know that like, you don't have to lose 10 pounds to be confident, for example, or to like talk to X person or whatever. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, which is so sad. I feel like we should, we're going to definitely do a part two, because I just love talking to you about all this kind of stuff. But one of the things that I wanted to, to end with is something that you said, which was like, you're a body neutral coach Mm -hmm. and the anti- diet culture space. Cause I feel it's very confusing for some people. And, um, and sometimes my, like, I'll have a friend who will, you know, like eat a donut and he'll be like, I'm anti-diet culture. And I'm like, I know you're making fun of me, but it's <laughs> not funny, <laughs> but two, I don't think a lot of people understand that anti-diet culture doesn't mean anti-nutrition. Right. And, and like the idea of being a body neutral coach, I think is so powerful. So I just kind of, that's what I feel like we should kind of end with here is like, what is that? Like, how would you, how would you define it? Like, what does that all mean? So for me, being a body neutral coach is about, like you said, intention and why, and what kind of measurements we use and how we go into doing any sort of like fitness program or, talking about body or health in general. Like Mm -hmm. I don't measure my clients. I don't ask them their weight. I don't ask them them their size. We don't track their progress based off of how their clothes fit or what their number is on the scale or any of that. It's all like, can you get up and down off the ground easier? Can you play with your kids easier? Can you run faster or longer without losing your breath? Can you go up and down the stairs at work without feeling like you want to die? Like, has your mental health improved? Has your sleep improved? There's so many other health things that are far more important 
than (laughs) weight. The only time I ask a person their weight is if they come to me and I have some clients like this. Now they come to me and they're like, I want to lose weight and I want to also improve my health. And I say, great. So we still do all of that. And then every couple of weeks or so, they'll tell me, you know, I'll ask, how's your weight loss going? And they'll tell me their weight loss or not. And we talk about it, whatever. Um, so like, that's fine, but I'm not using their weight loss or their weight in general or their size as an indicator of our progress. I mostly mm-hmm. think it's relevant. Um, so that's what body neutral means to me. I love that. I love that. Um, I also consider myself a body neutral coach. So like, I just love that you use that word. And I was like, I'm going to ask her about it. And I think one thing I want to add in about anti-diet culture, not being anti-nutrition is that like all anti-diet culture means is that it's not this like worshiping of thinness or this like happiness being tied to weight loss or like promoting, you know, like weight loss as like a, like a way to achieve a higher status of something, right? It's, it's not demonizing foods. And it's also like, I think the biggest thing for anti-diet culture is just not oppressing people that don't match our like supposed picture of health. I think it happens a lot in the medical community where people just get overlooked and then down the line, they find out they have a tumor, but the med, the, the med, the doctor, whatever it might be, overlooked that because they were a certain weight. And so that's all <laughs> diet culture at least means to me, right? It's yeah. not like anti-nutrition. It's not like eat a donut every single day. It still promotes health. It just doesn't promote like thinness being like the above and beyond because as we know, health looks different on everyone and health yeah. health at every size is like actually a thing. And so um so I just wanted to like clear the air on that. Yeah. <laughs> and health also looks different to even what you think health might look like on you. Mm-hmm. And health will look different for you and your body at different stages of your life. Yes. So yes. that can be the hardest thing too is that me healthy right now and me healthy 5 years ago was a different healthy and me in 5 years from now might be a different healthy. And being able to adapt to that is really important. But to your point about anti-diet culture not being anti-nutrition, I I saw a post that was like, when did becoming, you know, when did eating healthy become dieting or whatever? It's Mm -hmm. like, okay. The way that I look at anti-diet culture, as far as food goes, is that like the rules don't exist in that like, oh, you can only have dessert at this time of day, or you can only eat this time or this much food or blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. Like if you want the donut, eat the donut. If you don't, don't, it's pretty simple. It's like, just like that. If you are in touch with your body and its cues and its needs, which does take time, like you said, does not happen. Yeah. It takes years to learn your yeah. body. cues. You'll know, Hey, actually I'm really craving a salad right now. Or mm, I kind of want some chocolates after the salad right now, or mm, actually I don't really want dessert tonight, whatever that looks like, or, Oh, I really mm-hmm. want to soda with this popcorn. Um, you'll know what sounds good and what doesn't sound good. And that also looks different for everybody. And, you know, not, not everybody is able to achieve that in a certain way. Um, but that's more of, I would say my goal when working with clients is helping them learn like their body cues and and get in touch with like what their body wants and what is their body saying to them? Yeah. Yeah. Not what everybody else is saying. Cause I, I feel like, you know, as much as diet culture, like it, it demonizes certain foods, like you said, like chocolate or ice cream. And then all of a sudden they're put on a pedestal because they're the thing that you can't have, right? And we all want the things that we can't have. (laughs) Um, And so they're put on a pedestal, right? Even as we were younger, I saw this post about like Halloween candy, et cetera. I'm not gonna go into it, but but it also, you know, I said in a post not too long ago, like it's also taken really delicious foods like salads and made them into these like yucky, Uh healthy things. And you're like, but they're not like, (laughs) they're not this food that diet culture gets to like take. And all of a sudden, you know, it's healthy and it doesn't taste good. Right. It's the same thing as like, I don't know, broccoli, which sounds so ridiculous to say. Right. But like, yeah, broccoli raw, probably not yummy. Right. Like (laughs) grilled chicken raw with brown rice and broccoli, like literally the staple of every trainer. Yeah. Yeah not very good. Like I get it. Right. But all of a sudden when you like can take these foods and just let them be foods, like just like mac and cheeses or just like X, Y, and Z is right. Like you can make them 
taste good, just like you make pasta taste good because you add cheese in it and now it's mac and cheese, right? Like, I I think like it's just the whole bad versus good mentality versus if you eat a vegetable, it has to be raw or else it's like, if it's dipped in cheese, it's bad for you. It's just like a whole thing that I feel like can do a whole other podcast episode about. (laughs) So I was going to say Intuitive Eating is a book that changed my life completely. Yes. And Health at Every Size is a book that changed my life completely. I haven't read that book. I do oh, know that you're reading or you read um, the More Than a Body, which I recommend to everyone. I think it's so good. Also, Intuitive Eating. I've read that one. Was so phenomenal. You should read and also link it. Everybody listening should read um, Health at Every Size. I think there's a new version that came out recently. Okay. Um, but life-changing book. Okay. We'll link all of these books. Why right. not? Very evidence-based <laughs> as well. It's not, it's not just like someone being like, accept yourself, which you should do also, but it's like, here's the research to support yeah. that that's better for you. Um, yeah. really, really groundbreaking. And like I said, absolutely life-changing for me. I love that. I love that. And well, you were going to answer one of my last couple of questions I was going to uh, ask you was what was an impactful book that you've read recently? Um, that one. <laughs> I think okay, that one, great. And uh, another one, just a fun one is uh, what is one non-negotiable habit in your daily routine that mm. you credit for your well-being? Taking my meds. Oh, love. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Meds are super stigmatized. And even when I talk about them on social media, people like get so angry <laughs> with me. Dang. Uh, but medication changed my life. Um, I take antidepressants. I take heart meds. Um, I also take, you know, like vitamins, like I take vitamin D and Mm -hmm. magnesium and whatever, but like I take my medication every single day, morning and night, religiously. Um, I do not miss my dosage because when I do (laughs) the whole, the whole shit show. Um, but I was from most of my career, I was very anti-medication. I would feel so much judgment toward people who like took the easy way out with air quotes. Yeah. That's, that was a load of bullshit. That was me being so uneducated and small-minded and had been young and not had gone through life <laughs> yeah. to have experience. And I feel so bad about that opinion that I had, um, back then, um, because medication has saved, I mean, saved my life completely. I feel a hundred percent certain that if I would not have gone on antidepressants when I did that, my life would look very, very different, if not non-existent at this time. Yeah. Um, so my meds, <laughs> that's my answer. Yeah. I love that that came so quickly because that just proves a point where it's like, it wasn't like a bubble bath, right? With no. CBD oil, like no. wellness is this thing that just like looks very shiny and fancy and luxurious. And sometimes wellness is taking your meds. Yes. <laughs> going to therapy. right? Like (laughs) taking a shower, like wellness isn't sexy all the time. I think that's just like, I would say most of the time it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Agreed. Agree is having the hard conversations, creating boundaries that are sometimes awkward. All those things are wellness. And so I love that. What a great, what a great message to end with love. (laughs) love Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for being my first. Uh, How do you feel? I feel great. Thank you for popping my podcast, Cherry. You're so welcome. You need to do more because you just have such a great message. You're so great to talk to. This was literally so easy. And um, and I really just hope this recorded. <laughs> literally, crossed. I've been thinking about it the entire time and I've been so stressed out. Um, so just crossing our fingers. You'll have to message me and be oh like, it recorded. And I will. More. I will. And if I don't, I'll just send a bunch of crying emojis um, (laughs) after in an hour when I'm done crying. (laughs) No, but this was so great. Thank you so, so much. Um, Where can people, I mean, I'll link it all, but where can people find you? Where do you like to have people, you know, interact with you? Give us all the goods. Yeah. For a long time, it was on TikTok. Um, Simone underscore stocks. I think it's underscore, right? The like line on the Yeah. Uh, um, at the time I, a while ago, I was bigger on TikTok. I was building my following there oh, I didn't and then that. started my do it depressed series on Instagram and then blew up on Instagram. So okay. now I'm over on Instagram. I kind of, I love that. You know, I only have a limited amount of time. Yeah. Um, so I have to kind of like dedicate myself to the platform that is, I feel like I'm able to interact with my community a bit more. So right now I'm heavier on Instagram. 
um, at Simone.stocks. Love. So, yeah, that's where we'll you definitely find. put it in the show notes. I love that. Reach out to her if you want to work one-on-one, if you struggle with anything that, that we talked about today and anything resonates, reach out. You're pretty good in your DMs too, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. You're such a beautiful soul. I'm so happy that we finally connected after following each other for so long. I know, (laughs) me too. And now like this is just gonna branch out into all the things. This is just the beginning. Look up, look out for our for our walking around naked series (laughs) collaboration. It's about to get freaky. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All so right. Thank you. We'll do this again soon. Awesome. Have a great day, week, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode or if any part of it resonated with you, it would mean the world if you shared what you learned or something that you loved and tagged me on Instagram at Azul Corajoria. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen in and be sure to come back next week. Thank you for your support, my loves. I will see you soon.